Hi Saurabh, thank you so much for joining us on Blitz Business. It's good to have you. Pleasure to be here, Ashish. Awesome. Thank you for me. Let's get started. Saurabh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Ah, uh, so I currently run Advantage Club, uh, which is essentially an employee engagement platform. Firstly, I'm very passionate about generally building staff and hopefully make the world a better place. So here our mission is to make workplaces happier and uh, that is what kind of keeps driving me. So uh, what about your background? Is it like your first company, like you started this or previously you were in corporate? Tell us a little bit. Yeah, so I did my master's from UCLA. I'm core techie by background, uh, majored in machine learning back in 2012 before it surprisingly became so cool. Uh, at that time, nobody looked at it as a cool thing. Then worked for Amazon and Microsoft uh, in their Bay Area and the US Bellevue office and uh, got chance to build some 1.0 product for Amazon as part of their Kindle line on the software side. And then came back to India, started this. And now the journey has interestingly gone global back. So we are now live in more than 100 countries with our headquarter being in US. So it's a full 360 degree journey for us. So how did the idea came about? Like um, you had something in your mind because the context is like people ask us, you know, we want to start. How do we start? What is that idea? You know, so for you, what was the journey? Key? How do you started and the idea? Yeah. So my first in the entrepreneurship was during my college days uh, back in 2010 when digital was not that prominent in India. I was in a town called Patiala doing my uh, B.Tech there. So at that time, we built a city portal for Patiala and also a student kind of networking place for all the students of my college and other colleges in the vicinity. And that time we ended up creating Zomato, Book My Show, all the features inside a single app, which was a super app, but more geographically bounded than anything else. We realized that the exposure that we had was very limited, like uh, because we're in a tier two town in India and uh, whatever ideas we got used to be a little behind the market. Like whenever I used to look for something, as whenever I Google online, I would find there's a startup who's already doing it since last two, three years, four years. So at that point I decided, let me go to the core Silicon Valley, the West Coast, uh, California, because at that time entrepreneurship or other startups were more uh, present there. Unlike today, where it's everywhere, even India is uh, thriving now. Uh, so that's that's what made me do my master's. And I used to keep an idea sheet that whatever problem statement I see, I'll write it down, whether it can turn into idea. So we had a sheet of around 120 odd ideas. And this was like 109th idea in the list. And did bunch of hackathons for two years. Like practically, I did at least 30, 40 hackathons in the span of my college days. So almost every weekend, uh, I was doing one or the other hackathon and LA and Bay Area are like hub for such things. So I was constantly active and that's how the whole journey started. And then we went for a corporate job for a couple of years, one, to gain the experience and uh, two, to also get ourselves a little more accustomed with the culture we want to build as well in future. Because uh, one of the challenges I feel a lot of people just college dropout uh, would be that they are trying to figure out culture from day zero. Like if you have worked in a larger organization, especially a tech product kind of an organization when you're building a tech venture, you kind of get the sense that what is working well, at least to a certain extent, you have 60-70% of idea of what culture should look like in your own company. So that drove me to do a couple of stints. And uh, I always felt, uh, especially uh, in the developing part, like emerging markets, uh, when we looking back now, back in 2014, 15, 16 era, 
employees were not getting the same level of uh, experience in their workplace of course everybody was paid but beyond that it was more transactional in nature and culture was kind of missing so we thought that's a interesting problem to solve because it uh, it is the place where your average employee spends 70 to 80% of their active life so they should get the best experience so while it was happening in say a microsoft redmond campus or a google mountain view campus we thought let's democratize this overall make it accessible to every organization whether mid to large whatever the size is and that's how the journey started so what do you do if you can tell us in one line what does your company advantage club so we are about? essentially an employee experience platform uh we make workplaces happier by creating a positive culture where employees are recognized for their job and they also get flexibility in terms of what benefits they get so like instead of getting say a gym membership directly from your organization you mm-hmm. get an access to whether choose a gym or a yoga or say a doctor consultation and on the other side uh, for everything good you do you don't have to wait for appraisal because anyways that's a very complicated process you get a good job or a appreciation from your boss and peer immediately and uh, we believe that changes in employees average life like day cycle it creates a positive atmosphere for the organization as well and creates disproportionate impact for everyone involved so you have sort of bundled different services which are applicable and useful for employees and then you offer through your platform right that's correct and then uh, there's a software layer where uh, we encourage people to appreciate each other and also the managers to award their employees on a constant mm-hmm. basis okay so what all services for example you mentioned gym what all services is available for employees so we are fairly exhaustive we have more than 12 categories mm-hmm. uh, shopping wellness uh, things to do experiences uh, spa salon the most obvious ones are there we also have categories like real estate which is very interesting uh, because uh, oh. what is it what do you offer in real estate so we offer uh, we have partnership with tier 1 kind of uh, reality providers mm-hmm. and as an employee you get access to special prices and okay. the idea is that uh, people from the same company might want to stay at a similar kind of a place as well and that again idea stems from my own microsoft experience the building building i used to live in the, it was occupied by 30% microsoft folks and that was a community by itself like microsoft employees in my campus used to be a like a community by itself to engage with so that is the idea which kind of we borrowed here and again the idea would be to democratize it to even say a thousand people company and not only 100000 people oh nice nice so out of all these categories which is the one everyone is us you know it's just after it so shopping is the most obvious one people love to buy their phones and fridges and televisions mm-hmm. uh post covid actually people have really start caring about wellness and wellness tends from well rounded wellness not just uh, medical but also generally fitness i think india has gone a lot more fit over last one year or two years versus what probably pre covid era was and we are seeing that in the data point as well like earlier wellness used to be under 6-7% a single low digit uh, percentage of the business today wellness is almost like 25% of the business which is very interesting oh. so uh, give us a sense in terms of what is it the dollar advantage a person is getting if they are going a service through you versus if they go directly like 10 20% 30% what's that yeah so it's around 10 to 20% would be your average saving all across the board uh, but it's not just that it's actually uh, so 
like organization spends one to four percent of a person's salary on every employee beyond their salary and uh, insurance and that's a given data like if the moment you go to any large organization uh, they would be doing something around birthday anniversary long service awards something or reward recognition something for wellness so if you look at that budget it's one to four percent Without a platform like ours, this all gets offline. Like you will get a random mail saying that you have access to X, Y, Z thing from today. And there's a good chance when you actually need that service, you'll never use it. Say doctor, like say a company decides to buy a teleconsultation. And when you really need a doctor, you'll not remember that there's a place where a company has allowed you to do free consultations, no matter how much communication they drive. So that's the problem that we're solving, that the money that company is spending actually reaches the hand of the employee. And secondly, uh, they also get a lot of options. Like instead of say an HR or an admin deciding what thousand or say even hundred thousand people should get, employee gets empowered to make their choices themselves. And then there's a price advantage on top, which would typically be 10 to 20% because it's a closed user group. So suppliers are happy to provide that. So those are all the additive factors, which kind of makes an impact in employee's life. So it's a discovery also you're helping in terms of discovery and then, you know, helping them understand these other things and all of it. Understood. Exactly. So then let's dive into the business model. So how do you make money? Ah, so the, so the idea is to not charge either side a lot. So try like, Try to charge pennies on both the sides. So the two sides are uh, suppliers and the clients. So we don't charge anything to employees. So suppliers uh, pay us a small commission on every transaction which happens. And then companies pay a small SAS fee. And the idea is to convert the two small numbers into meaningful number over the time. So that's that's the business model. I assume the meaningful number have reached now millions for you as a Uh, revenue? Yeah, it's uh, we are about to complete our one to 10 million journey as a startup, as our own revenue. Yeah, in terms of GTV, it's higher. So GTV-wise, we are doing 100 million plus in GTV. Uh, but yeah, we are ourselves about to get to 10 million-ish, hopefully early this year. Wonderful, wonderful. And how many sort of services you will say you have um, in total? Like, Oh, number of supply count is uh, fairly large for us. Uh, so we have around 10,000 odd options for redemption today. Oh, wow. uh, and we're spread across, like we have actual users in more than 105 countries. So COVID also actually pushed us to go global sooner than what we wanted, which turned out to be a blessing in disguise uh, because a lot of companies we went to, they wanted to cover all their employees all across the world from day zero. So we are live across, I don't know, probably last I checked, it was 105 countries, but from what I know, it must be 110 countries now. And we have supply available in more than 140 countries. But when you go global, you have to onboard local vendors or suppliers, I assume, or... Yeah, so we do strategic partnership with the local players in every place. We integrate deeply with the players in the local uh, area, uh, the people who are aggregators. And that's how we build the supply. Again, during COVID, uh, for a year, we did that. Uh, mm-hmm. So we had some bandwidth to execute. So we built a marketplace so that once the market uh, starts coming up, we are ready to run with it. It luckily okay. paid off. So, so in, out of all this, everything sounds wonderful and rosy. But what is the biggest challenge sort of... Yeah in this business? Hey, Ashish, I think there's a network issue. Uh, So, of course, see, startup journey is full of challenges. Uh, So, nothing is really easy, right? Every day you get a new challenge, especially when we are trying to build a global business. Um, So, teams based out of US, uh, UAE, Philippines. So, ensuring that every market is moving in the right direction 
is of course a challenge in how do you distribute resources if some of the markets are more long term investments some of them are more short term advantages so all of those decision makings and the consequences of them are of course uh, one of the bigger challenges of operating this business so for how long have we been running this oh so started this a while back started in 2016 we started as a discounting platform purely employee discounting platform exactly what you were talking about in the beginning uh, and then kind of pivoted to this so it took us 5 years to practically get uh, to this business and we did bunch of pivots in between and finally in 21 is when we actually started building this out properly and since then we have seen the growth understood and what is the fundraising journey has been for you saurabh uh, did you raise capital from day one or it was during mid journey you realized so we started raising seed capital in very early part of journey so 2016 uh, when we did our first seed round um then uh, till 2021 in my earlier business i raised around 2 million dollars uh, but after raising the last round 2019 we kind of knew that uh, this will not work because uh, like the perk model will just not work by itself we'll have to do more than that so 2021 is when we pivoted to this business and had some success and then we raised 5 million dollars uh, which you can look at as a pre series a series a kind of a round um and uh, recently we have raised another million or so uh, but as a business we are monthly profitable now uh, but we do plan to continue investing in the growth and we do expect to raise a larger round sometime during the year so it doesn't sound like a very capital intensive business is it oh yeah it, it is not principally a capital intensive business because my primary costs are uh, people cost followed by some level of branding cost uh, and uh, otherwise it's a high gross margin business in principle so that's why we are not very capital uh, requiring business in generally we are very cash efficient like uh, and we've always been cash efficient the we have just been investing in foreign markets and hence we are raising some capital otherwise practically we don't really need external capital to build this business out and who all are your competitors you will define us ah uh, so in terms of competition uh, there are very large players in us which have built some presence in other parts of the world as well so the largest one is a company called as workhuman uh then there are a couple of other guys like uh, bi worldwide ucitano all of those guys is what we would uh, classify as our competition and anyone in india so lot of these guys have built presence in india as well especially ucitano bi worldwide have pre- built presence in india for a long time uh so we compete with them in indian market as well local indian players are significantly smaller than us and they like lot of them are not that technology oriented it's more like they built it more like a distribution business than really technology play so that's why uh, we don't really consider local players to be very meaningful competition it's more the global players which have built some presence here are the real competitors in the market will you define cred as your competitor or no so kunal is an investor in advantage club uh, so i hope that would answer the question so we are like we do believe in a similar thesis on a from a broad spectrum point of view that you should get premium users on a platform and that's powerful by itself uh, but the journeys are very different like what the app is being used here versus what cred is supposed to do are two very different things so we don't look at each other as competition and that's why i accepted money from him as well and he was also willing to invest because thesis wise we do align but i think they are two very different businesses how was the how did the transaction happen you reached out to him he reached out to you tell us a little bit how that sort of 
materialized oh that's interesting yeah i i i think i got connected by some one of the so we we did a y combinator in summer 21 uh so one of my i think batchmate raised some money from him and that guy reached out saying that uh, kunal is uh, looking to invest in yc companies should i connect with you i don't know the background story of that and we connected 20 minutes call uh, aligned in terms of vision and yeah uh, he put us check inside the company yeah so was that the quickest deal you have ever done or you have better stories than <laughs> yeah no that that was quick by like uh, especially by indian standard is very quick the decision making was in two days but that's not yeah. my quickest check my quickest check is uh, and so in y combinator what happens is that after the program is over you have a demo day in which practically you are doing pitches the whole day for uh, next as doing practically 16 hours a day uh, 25 to 30 pitches so my closest check was by a fund i'll not name them but uh, we started the call 10 minutes in the call he said i'm committing and half a million is what i'm committing and before i ended the call money was in my bank which is just unbelievable so the it was literally the bliss uh, investing oh. so just within 15 minutes of connecting with the person for the first time half a million was practically in our bank wow so that was the most insane thing that i've ever seen and that kind of capital is of course uh, far and few but yeah really appreciated the person and yeah they've in fact doubled down recently as well so that's interesting is it easier to raise capital now saurabh in the current uh, environment hey ashish sorry i missed your question yes so is it easier to raise capital now uh, in current environment or those were the happy days yeah see 2021 was a different beast altogether uh, like you can't even compare that to current era which is there so 2021 practically yeah we could have raised 3x or 2x of what we raised and practically at a higher valuation as well i capped off my valuation and my existing was like why are you doing it there are people who are raising it even 2x of your valuation and my rational was that we have to raise the next round at some point as well and we have to raise at a sane valuation so that we can at least grow into that today the business is not there uh, and uh, that paid off well so but yeah today's market is uh, of course very different than 21 but still market is now getting better i think this kind of correction was required because 21 is also not sustainable the kind of multiples that people have raised at uh, eventually someday everyone will have to either list or sell and in acquisitions or listing nobody is paying that price so the correction had to happen i think uh, just that with the macro factors also added to it there was a little bit of overcorrection and it got stressed out i think 22 maybe early 23 it was completely expected i think this is getting little more lingered out now but we are seeing the market sentiments change again for better like we started seeing news of raises again because at the end uh, whatever is happening on the financial cycle side it's very interesting that it's a 7 8 year cycle we have all lived through 2008 we have all lived through 2015 and then 2016 we have all lived through 2021 and now 2023 so it's just a 7 8 year cycle which surprisingly repeats itself and uh, nobody Has spoken to likes twenty one, nor anyone likes twenty two or twenty three. So it's very interesting. But as human being, as a collective uh, group and cohort, we end up getting there every seven eight years. So how do you deal with this beast, the valuation? Is pay we get so many questions. So you uh, said you were clear valuation. You have to be kept at this, but not this. Yeah. How do you draw that line? Like, what is that calculation? You go with revenue numbers. Yeah. So that's an interesting one overall. 
uh, I would say it depends at what stage you are in. When you are very early stage, then it's very simple. Right? Then it's all about I want X amount of money to get to the next stage. This is the amount of equity I'm willing to give. The other buyer needs to agree that this much amount of capital that you do need to get to the next stage and no investor wants to undercapitalize a company because it eventually hurts them. And uh, they believe every fund has a ownership goal as well. So that also needs to be met. So in very early stage, when there's very little traction, those are the kind of, uh, it's more of an art. But of course, as you start growing a little larger, there's some amount of science to it, but still it can vary up to even 3x of uh, whatever number we are talking about. So it can be x to 3x. So it's a very wide range. So ultimately, just like some of the stocks in the market trades at 1000 PE ratio and some of them trade at 1, 1.5. And surprisingly, a lot of them are in the same space as well. Like if you look at Apple stock in terms of PE ratio versus say a different company uh, in the mobile phone space, you will find the PE ratios to be so different. So ultimately, beauty does lie in the eye of the beholder. Uh, as a founder, it's important to create a sufficient number of demand uh, for the product so that you get competitive valuation. And at times, it's not just about valuation, it's also about the quality of investor that you're getting. Because uh, ultimately, it's a very long journey. A lot of first-time founders don't realize that, that uh, especially first-time raising founders, that's a very long journey. So you need the right partners in the journey as well, because there'll be bumpy roads. Startup is not a smooth ride for sure. Like we ourselves have pivoted before getting here. So I had investors who supported me throughout the process. Uh, when something is say generating $30,000 a month and you're saying you're completely going to throw it off and try something else because you believe this is not working, uh, is requires people with the right uh, understanding of the space as well. So that's that's those are the factors to also consider. And then kind of market defines your valuation, right? And ultimately, um, Every founder should preserve their own equity. And then there are ways like MSOPs and other things, which people learn probably on the way, not on day zero, uh, to kind of claw back their equity over the time as well. And I think very well said, Saurabh. And pivoting is a key skill. I've seen founders who were very attached to the product or the service and they were not willing to let it go. They're like, no, it is doable. I can do it. Just believe in me. You know, I had tons of story. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, there, point, there comes a point you have to let it go and try something else. That's also a key skill a founder needs to understand and appreciate. Yeah, yeah, and I think what has really helped over the last few years is that people have moved beyond vanity metrics to real metrics like revenue, uh, your real cohorts, your uh, even profitability to a certain extent. These things show you a mirror, right? Because you cannot make money of something which doesn't work. You might be able to say you give uh, dhanya free. Uh, you will get people to order grocery item at losses. That's very easy to do. You will see a spurge and as a founder, you might just feel that you're doing very well. But reality might be very far from that when you start looking at revenue, when you start looking at your unit metrics. Eventually, uh, there are certain businesses in which scale solves the problem. There are certain businesses in which very large scale doesn't make lot of difference to unit uh, economics. So it's very important for a founder to understand what business they are building and what is the parameter which will eventually get them to build a large revenue and a large profitable company as well because businesses are supposed to make money. That's the reality of the situation. And every startup has to get there. And thankfully, the ecosystem is pushing everyone to that. And uh, it's not just about the founder, right? It's also about your investors, your VCs and everyone being aligned to that because historically, the problem in the pre 22 era was that even 2021 profitability used to be looked down upon 
like even uh, 2019 in our earlier business also we were profitable but marginally profitable and we did a pr article on that uh, which said just one word of profitability i got three calls from my investor that what is wrong with you guys why are you writing profitability we appreciate it but why are you making it a public information because other people will not appreciate it so that's an interesting switch because of which an ecosystem is also helping founders think right now yeah i think that was a good time where growth was looked upon and profitability was just even investors i remember board conversation where people were relent you know they were like should i bring this topic up of profitability or i may just sound stupid you know so <laughs> so yeah you know of growth at all cost right so. at all yeah absolutely 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 so sort of then what is your now goal in next three years, four years, like what are you looking at? I mean, you have scaled, you have, it's a significant achievement and, you know, to have a company uh, crossing from one to 10, it's a different beast altogether to manage, handle. I mean, they, it has its own challenges, but what are you looking now at next? What is the key milestone for you? So next three to four years, we want to continue growing our eventually the vision, like uh, we want to build a large organization out of this by large, I mean, uh, as a revenue, I would say in three to four years, we're targeting 50 million kind of a revenue as a company for ourselves. I, more importantly, I want to touch 10 million lives. Today, we're touching 4 million. So I want to touch 10 million lives and hopefully across geos. So those are the broader goals that we have uh, in terms of organization to where we want to be. And help us understand, Saurabh, so when an IPO comes, there is a risk factor category which comes in and it says these are the 10 which can end up business and impact business for you what are those top five risk factors hmm, that's very interesting uh i would say basics are all very simple for us because our business is very simple because companies are already spending money on their employees and we are just making it more optimal so our basic fundamental is very uh, simple secondly your uh, companies will not spending not stop spending or lessen their money spend on employees and that is visible to us in even recessionary market like last year if i call it dare say that uh, so those risks don't principally exist uh, in our business uh, ultimately network effect plays a very important role so if you are a go-to provider in a particular geography then you will be preferred because companies do want to in certain way also play it safe by working with reliable players uh, so it's very important to capture that position uh, in other geos as well. We already have that position in India and Philippines and to Southeast Asia market right now. But as we're expanding to MENA and US, it's going to be very important for us to be able to achieve that because that branding has a disproportionate impact on the outcome for us. So that's going to be one of the risks that if we don't achieve that, then our market penetration in those markets will get impacted. Um, I would say, again, we're protected against compliance and other things as well, because our area is mostly non-regulated. I don't see that changing, considering U.S. has been already doing this for 20 years and there are companies with revenues of more than 500 million plus there. So I don't think that's also a challenge. Uh, so I would say identifying actually five risks is very hard for me. Um, the key is wow. to continue growing fast. I think that's the biggest one. Um, more than anything else, I think that's what we are completely focused on. And that's where we spend most of the time on that. How do we grow faster and how do we build the brand around it? Saurabh, you are the first company uh, uh, who 
cannot list five, and I am amazed to hear <laughs> I have done one fifty episodes, and first <laughs> me finally found who is saying I really cannot list five risk factors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but honestly, it's a much simpler world, right? It's just a better way of doing things, and we are not trying to change behavior. We're just making it easier for people. So that's the core delta overall here. uh of course see generally you want a stable economy uh you want a stable government all of that you want a positive sent sentiment in the ecosystem towards employment uh i would say if the whole employment structure moves to gig economy of course then we'll have to adopt it's not like uh, we cannot do that in a gig economy actually you will have to incentivize people more to do your work properly uh, so again we benefit but of course we have to pivot the product a little bit more to fit into that kind of strategy if that becomes a larger portion so those are things are there but they are all like operational i don't consider them as a risk principally as a business itself understood understood and out of all your investor um list which one you have enjoyed working with the most oh that's a tough one if i name one and they hear it the others hear it they will not like me that yeah, that's what i want <laughs> content this <laughs> coffee with karan in for startups so get it then i play see uh see broadly of course uh, if i think on this i'll have to think of the people who have been in the journey and mentored to me so there's a fund called as mirag ventures which used mm-hmm. to be earlier called growx there's a partner named manu rikhi who's also part of our board he has been immense guiding light to the whole journey uh, then why combinator has been amazing to us overall it has been game changing of course why combinator is more like a platform where of course you have good mentors but it's more for you to take i would say they are very high second and then uh, there's a fund called as axelor in bangalore i would rate them third in the list they have also been very helpful and generally actually we have not only received fund like help from our larger investors but also from lot of angels i have learned a lot of things like there's an angel uh, who investors personally he told me how to fire people uh, he literally made me comfortable with the idea of firing which is typically very hard for a first time founder that uh, you are never firing people you are actually saving jobs so he convinced me by making me sit with him for 2 hours because we had to fire people and i was finding that to be very hard Uh, so a lot of life skills i have learned from a lot of different people uh, which has helped me get where we are so you have a lot of angel on your uh, cap table we do have 15 to 20 odd angels over are they clubbed together as in one single entity or individual? most of them are clubbed together most of them are clubbed under a signing head and then uh, but i do have five six people Uh, who might have taken money individually as well because i really respect what they have built like kunal is one of them uh and uh, so i have taken money from them directly as well but i personally enjoy a very good relationship with all of them so i don't really have any barrier in terms of execution like if any signing is required practically i can call people at 12 am and i know they will sign immediately and do you, have you listed cred also as a service or ah uh, not not yet yeah not yet. So, not yet so uh we are trying to figure out how do we do this uh, overall uh, but yeah i think uh, uh we don't have direct business synergies yet because it's more b2c that's more b2b we have certain expectations uh, in terms of what a user gets over and above whatever they can get directly plus we also want certain margins for ourselves so i think cred's model is a little different than us right now to really fit into a marketplace like ours 
and one question which comes just came to my mind is so there are vertical players in wellness also for example which offer services and etc and they come approach like they multiple have approached us in past you know we are offering and you do so how do you compete with someone who is vertically integrated in a particular uh, you are horizontal across providing yeah. so we don't compete we integrate with them so i have a partnership with almost everyone in the wellness industry whether you talk about uh, say a medibody or a wellness corner or health assure uh, or on the fitness side fitpass culfit so we integrated with everything uh, because we don't do any service ourselves uh, that's why they don't look at it as a competition so it's more of a aggregator platform and then we empower the employee to make the choice so the good part about any company t- coming and tying up with us is that they get all these vertical players because honestly no vertical player is good in everything right someone everyone would have their own strengths so as an okay. employee you get to choose what do you want from where and that has been the core usp we don't believe like in competition we would mostly go and partner with almost everyone wonderful 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 saurav thank you for answering every question um frankly uh, yeah, yeah thank yeah, you thank you yeah yeah uh any suggestions or something for our listeners for fellow founders who are looking to start any any piece of advice you want to give sure so i would say entrepreneurship is a beautiful journey a uh, very much one of a kind um uh, if you do embark on it it will be very fulfilling not necessarily financially rewarding but if it works it will be disproportionately financially rewarding but definitely you will live the life to the fullest if uh, climbing a mountain is an adventure i would say it's nothing in front of running an entrepreneurship or a venture wow well said saurav very well said uh, awesome thank you so much for your time it was such a pleasure to have you uh, and answering all the questions so candidly super fun yeah thank you thank you ashish lovely speaking with you your set of questions were very interesting and i love the kwk coffee with current twist as well so yeah glad to speak with you yeah